In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit VALottery.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? The boys from Last Podcast on the left here telling you about our new special. We filmed it in Chicago, and it was absolutely a wonderful experience. And you can buy it now for $6.66 if you just go to lastpodcastlive.com. That's it, buddy. Help hail him in the year of 2019. Watch watch as our bodies jiggle upon the stage, (laughs) and you hopefully laugh with delight. Yeah, this is a a recording of one of our live performances. So if you've never seen us live and you've always wanted to, uh, this is uh, your opportunity everybody can see us live now and next year we will have a whole new show so you will not be seeing what you see on this live show again that's it you're watching something that will never happen again yeah thank you all so much for your support this past year 2018 was absolutely incredible and we are excited uh, to bring you a new show in 2019 again last podcast live.com that's last podcast live.com Go out there, buy it for $6.66, and don't forget, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Man, can you guys just feel the magic in the air? Oh, yeah. Can't you just feel it everywhere? Like tinsel? Yeah. Like just tinsel waving on a fan? Absolutely. tickling your armpits? Isn't it wonderful? Do you guys ever think about, I don't know if they answer this in seminary school because I didn't get to go, but do you, how big do you think God's load was? <laughs> I mean, it made the whole world, I think. It created the you, whole world. It's like the... Uh, it's like, what is it, DuPont paint mm-hmm. with the paint covering, the white paint DuPont, covering. DuPont, Sherman paint. Williams. DuPont sure. doesn't even make paint. Whatever. <laughs> DuPont Here. doesn't make paint? I don't know. They make chemical weapons. Well, I'm sure they have to paint them. <laughs> but can you imagine that, right? Because I imagine it's, it does sound like the first Pornhub video of all time with Mary being like, hey, I'm married, don't come in me. And God's right. like, yeah, sure. And then sklish, sklish, sklish. Right. And then the fucking the savior slips out, Ugh. right? And that manger out there. You got the, the lambs braying. You got the camels barking. Oh, the, yeah. Arr, 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 arr. Yeah. And fucking it slips out. And who appears out of the darkness but the king himself? LeBron James wow. <laughs> picks up the baby, licks the placenta. Oh. It's game time. Donks Jesus Christ <laughs> through the fucking hoop. This is a commercial now. Right, right. All oh, of a sudden, you're getting Jesus into basketball. Yeah. He slams into a barrel filled with spikes. Sure. And the audience just goes, kill the Christ. Oh, kill my. the Christ. Oh, Man. right. Well, that's, I'm happy you know LeBron James's name. See? That's good. Welcome. That's takeaway, huh? Well, he's, he's in the Lakers. He's with the Lakers now, LeBron is. So yeah. that, that's very good. Welcome to the last podcast. On the left, everyone, I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. And then we have Christ killer Henry Zabrowski. Kill Henry Zabrowski. 
I'll do it again and again and again. He keeps moving that rock. I'm going to buy more bullets. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, today's episode, the reason, I, I'm so excited for this. What's the reason for this season, Marcus? Honestly. <sighs> Jesus is the reason for the season, I according mean, to the, many people, yeah, millions of people. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's the accepted answer, yes. Yeah. You know what I think the reason for the season is? This year? Raining pure decadent blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't really rhyme as well. Okay. So Fucking dude, executions, you pieces of shit. Yeah. This is your right. Christmas gift. <laughs> executions. That's right. We're just going to cover it. This is just going to be a bunch of blood. It'll be a bloodbath. Yeah. And it'll be nothing but fun because that's the world we live in. We're talking executions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. And really specifically, today we're going to be talking about hangmen and headsmen. Ooh. <laughs> so when I was telling Ben about some of the stories that we're going to tell today, Ben, you actually had a very good question concerning. Execution. And it's a question that I've actually asked myself many times over the years. And the question is this Why don't you just shoot him in the head? Shoot him in the head. Why don't you just slit the throat? It's so much easier to just shoot him in the head. <laughs> yeah, of course it's easier, man. There's a lot of things that's easier. I could buy crescent rolls from the frozen uh, the frozen section at the at the grocery store, or I can make them by hand with the sweat of my brow getting slowly kneaded into them. Honestly, blind taste test, no one would know the difference. <laughs> See, in some cases, it is in the best interest of the state to have someone quietly and secretly killed. Shoka Asahara. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But for the most part, execution isn't just about punishing the guilty. It's also about showmanship. Oh, yeah, you man. Pizzazz. You got to put on a show, baby. It's I show see. business, baby. And this was true, especially in the days of public execution. See, if you just run a knife across a criminal's throat or you just shoot a guy in the head, there's no buildup. There's no ceremony. It's just killing a guy. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I think it's kind of exciting. I've seen some videos on Live League. No, you just think it's exciting because it's the only thing that gets your heart rate up once you've had nine BLs and it's three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <laughs> But if there's a process and accoutrement to go along with it, like, say, a platform, a rope, or a big fucking axe, All right. then the whole thing gains a little bit of weight and a little bit of tension. Suddenly, it's show business. I really wish they would remake the movie Sing, but have this be the show. <laughs> Like, this is what the little cartoon mouse producer is trying so hard to get off the ground. <laughs> so excited, and then they get the cute hippo woman, and everyone's, oh. you know, excited about how she's finally going to sing her song, and then the fucking gallows <laughs> drops, and her body just twitches in the fucking air. Oh, man. And the pig family. They're so cute. Well, the tension built up in a public execution wasn't just about seeing a person die. It also lied in the possibility that the person in charge... Just might fuck it up. Ooh. It's like improv. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and as we're going to see again and again throughout this episode, people have been fucking up executions for centuries. Uh-oh. One toss to, I will I will do a toss to uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History uh, episode of Painfotainment, which a part of it talking about is that I like what you said here, which is that it's about showing the state's power and how strong they are, right? Being like, this is what we could put into works to just kill one man or this one group of people. Right. But also there's sort of a ritual about it that not only purges people's need for their own guilt, Mm -hmm. like you're seeing a thing in painful attainment. He talks about a little bit about this, about the in the religious bent 
of executions is that people would go and they get something out of it spiritually right. by someone's basically watching somebody else commit an act of penance for them. And then, or it's also kind of, it gives it a weird honor, like, uh, and to, to death. It gives it some kind of elevated status where they thought, well, ac- you know, if I happen to commit high treason against the king, I will also be treated with this amount of pomp and circumstance. Great. And it's, it's good for the rope industry. Uh, it's good <laughs> it's for, great. it's good for steel for big steel that's good but that is an interesting point as henry alluded to a little bit earlier in the show with his bizarre interpretation of the birth of our lord and savior jesus christ um, that is but that is what he did as he cru- as he was crucified that's what people see they, they he paid for all of their sins mm-hmm. before we get started today let's acknowledge our sources all these stories come from two books Executioners by Phil Clark, Liz Hardy, and Ann Williams, and The Book of Execution by Jeffrey Abbott. Both hey, of Abbott! Which are- <laughs> Abbott! Abbott! I hate that guy. <laughs> Both of which are amazing and available on Amazon if you want to learn more about the wonderful world of executions, because we're only covering Woo. a tiny bit of it today. Today, we're covering beheading by axe, mm. hanging, and drawing and quartering. Ooh. Yay! It's Christmas! It's Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> and as far as the region goes, we're mostly going to be focusing on English executions. Because while we here in America are undoubtedly the kings in modern times when it mm. comes to executions, England showed us all how it was done. We don't. Yep. We still don't do it right here, though. <laughs> we still don't have it perfectly worked out. But, uh, but we still do it because, I mean, we got to keep the spirit of executions alive uh-huh. in this country. <laughs> and we are, we're more muscular than the English. Right. And if they can do it 85 pounds soaking wet with a Bobbly Adams apple <laughs> and, like, knickers on, then we can do it with a fucking uh, Ed Hardy shirt on and a backwards hat. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, as far as the people who actually did the deed went executioners have rarely been the most popular people in their community wait whoa, hold on a second now no one likes the town serial killer what and as such the executioner's identity was usually hidden from the public hmm. this was partly because it gave the executioner a chance at a second job because executioner was a notoriously low-paying gig done on commission at least in england's case i see i gotta say i'm a little bit surprised by that i would think Why? these people would have a little bit more uh, respect in the city they're just fulfilling the final uh you know this is just the, the final statement of the state that is a far more modern idea because now we believe people that do hard jobs should be paid more. Like, if you look at people, garbage men make a fuck ton of money. They, they you know deserve I mean? like, it, yeah. You can make a lot of money, especially with OT. You're out there, you're covered in slime, you're working double time. Yeah. Christmas hours, you know what I mean? But these days, they viewed it also with a sense of shame. So it's almost like a double thing. Hmm. It's like, not only are we going to hide your identity, we're only going to give you like a little bit of money because technically you're fucked up for even wanting to be an executioner. Mm-hmm. Interesting. See, in England, executioner was not a national gig. In the olden days, executioner was a local post. It was like a city job. Okay. And the top of the game was, of course, London. And the London guy would travel around as needs demanded, but cities like Manchester and northern regions of England, like Yorkshire, had executioners all their own. Hmm, now, do they have their own tools? Like when a chef shows up <laughs> and he unfurls all of his own knives and spoons? Only or the they... scariest ones. Right, okay. <laughs> but since people often like to shoot the messenger, i.e., 
kill the hangman. Most times, nobody knew the executioner's real identity. Because oh. say the executioner puts your brother to death. You can't kill the king, but you can kill the executioner. He's like a superhero. <laughs> like a superhero in some ways. But what'd your brother do? <laughs> well, exactly. That's the big question here. Yeah. And there was a little cognitive dissonance involved in that thinking. One executioner griped that while people who kill for their country in war were lauded as heroes, those who kill in the name of the law are seen as almost worse than the criminals they killed. I would pay hundreds of dollars to see a roundtable of old-timey executioners griping. <laughs> I would love to hear the woe is me of the executioner. You wouldn't believe the shoulder problems I have wielding the axe. The CBD cream is really barely cutting it. And the other guy's like, I can't even have, I can't even look at strawberry jam without getting the shakes. <laughs> but that attitude towards executioners of, you know, Officers of the law versus, you know, soldiers. Right. Could possibly be that while wars were fought far away from the public in those days, everybody showed up to watch the executioner take off a head. All right. This is the original Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Honestly, it's way it's it's like a modern day reality television shows yeah. where everybody had to be a part of it because it was gossip as well. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of taking off heads. That's where we're going to start our series today. All right. With the axe. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. See, dimension-wise, the English executioner's axe had a three-foot-long handle and a 16-inch single-sided blade, which more resembled like an oversized wood-chopping hatchet than the double-sided battle axe that we usually associate with public beheadings. Okay. The thing about the axe was that it wasn't used for just any old thief on the street. Hmm. The axe was only used when people of noble birth were executed because its approximation to death on the battlefield was seen as more dignified than hanging, at least for men. Huh. Interesting. As far as the women went, it was presumably seen as more ladylike to be beheaded because when you're beheaded, you're not hanging from a rope with the contents of your bowels running down your leg and plopping to the ground. Not to say there wouldn't be a couple of nobles who wouldn't be happy being the little, like, catch basin underneath. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. One Prince Philip just running around underneath the dresses as they flow. What a most pleasant rain. <laughs> He's going to be king one day. Yeah, we know. But the thing about the executioners themselves is that these guys were not precision axe swingers plucked from the king's army. Executioners were usually just regular dudes who volunteered, and while they weren't necessarily the town drunks, it was rare to find an executioner that wasn't, at the very least, a functioning alcoholic. You gotta drink a little bit. Honestly, you yeah, have to. Yeah, you can to. drink a little bit. Yeah. You can drink a little I think you got to. You gotta loosen up. Right. And I think that dog meat here is trying to throw a little shade towards functioning alcoholics when <laughs> functioning alcoholics make up two-thirds of this podcast. That's, that's a lot of the podcast. That's a lot of the podcast. I'm not throwing so any shade whatsoever. I'm just saying that executioners were known as a fairly drunken lot. I could see yeah. this, though. Of course they are, because... Because if someone's going through town, someone is it a town squire or something, being like, yo, we need an executioner. If I had a couple of Bud Lights, maybe some peanuts, good full tummy like an elephant, I would be like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then next thing you know, I'm in the middle of, I'm on the stage in front of 500 people being with an axe. Be like, I, I'm really going to do this? Oh, shit, man. I didn't know. I was like, 
All right. Where's the head? <laughs> <laughs> I put the butt through the wrong way and just carved it off all the... <laughs> well, because the guys were usually drunk and because they were just regular dudes, single swing beheadings in England were not necessarily the standard, with most needing at least two and up to five chops to completely sever the spinal cord. And usually, they'd still have to bring out a knife to saw off the last remaining bits of necky sin. You. Oh my! That's kind of nice that they at least cut off the sinew and just rip it off. Yeah, I mean, because that would be. Think about that. That that ending into it. I mean, like, oh, it's not. That's right. Where's the Where's the Where's the seven knife? Where's the sinew for? I know. I can't. All right, come on. Just pulling it off the neck. Mate. He's got his foot up Everyone on the wood stump, trying to grab it with his hands, pushing back with his legs. Oh God. Well, the most infamous executioner in England's history was Jack. Catch, who some thought botched his executions on purpose to make them as brutal as possible. Do you mean to tell me he was the equivalent of Jimmy Fallon (laughs) laughing at his own jokes? Yeah, could be. But most of the time, though, the executioner wanted to have the whole thing over and done just as quickly as the condemned did. However, this was not because he had a problem with taking a life. Mostly, it's because these guys got stage fright. Really? I could see yeah, that. I could see stage fright being very real. People are scared of public speaking. Right. Can you imagine get, having to fucking a couple of thousand eyes on you with an axe as you're about to chop somebody's heads right. off and you just realized, oh, I shouldn't have had that fifth Jaeger. Right. Because <laughs> now I'm seeing two heads. Which is the head? So the person who is being executed... I can imagine, were they, did they ever console the executioner and be like, it's okay, buddy? We're getting into that story oh, right okay, now. Okay, very good. Take, for example, the 1746 double execution of William Boyd, the fourth Earl of Kilmarnock. Oh, the fourth Earl of Kilmarnock? <laughs> and, yeah, man, that was a big loss. <laughs> and Arthur Elphinstone, the sixth Lord of Balmerino. The sixth Lord of Balmerino? This is well, this is a big show. They were caught in a spice rig going to uh, to Atreides, so it was very difficult for them to catch it first. You have to get through their skin suits. I'm playing on their names I because they it. sound like they're from Dune. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, the executioner in this particular debacle was a guy named John Thrift, who had no business whatsoever being an executioner. See, as we said, axe executions were only for noble birth. So in the whole decade that Thrift had been killing people for the state, he'd only been tasked with hanging them. But that's not to say that Thrift was particularly competent at that either. See, John Thrift was was what you might call a high-strung personality. This fucking piece of shit, reading, reading about him... I, you know that one day at the finally the bottom of the barrel at Eddie Redmayne's dumb shit career, <laughs> he's gonna make a movie playing John Thrift, and they're gonna hand him five Oscars because he frowned in it. <laughs> so this guy, so he was, um, he Hi. had anxiety. He had anxiety. He was very high strung. He was very nervous. <laughs> Congratulations, Eddie Redmayne. Another fantastic performance. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't like a bumbling Mr. Bean type. Okay. Uh, he was, uh, he was, he tried doing his job, but he was just very anxious and very high strung. And, but as a so, consequence, he fucked up a lot. I would assume that would, that makes sense. So did he, now, 
Would there be an expectation of the executioner? Did they realize that they had to perform? Like, did they did they do yeah. stuff like swing the axe around their head a little bit? No, I don't know about lick, that. All lick the time. it with their I think tongue. Some of them did. Some of them understood that it's like you got to give to get. You know what I mean? One hundred ten percent. But I don't know if they all did. Well, actually, one quick story about that. One hangman was actually chided because he was super nervous for an execution. He didn't know what how well he was going to do. Uh, there were thousands of people there. He goes up and he takes the head off with one swing of the axe and then without even thinking about it he turned to the crowd and he put one hand on his chest and he gave a bow. <laughs> Fuck yeah! I love it! He deserves a bow. Take a bow. Well, as far as John Thrift's fuck-ups went, in one mass hanging, he hung 13 men at once but forgot to put on their hoods before he did so, both removing just that last little bit of dignity belonging to the prisoners and forcing the crowd to watch as eyes bulged out of sockets and tongues swelled out of mouths. Honestly, I think that he just made a new genre. Of what? Of the, you see the face! <laughs> I don't know. I think it's more like, oh, there seems to be so many handkerchiefs. <laughs> Why have I have so many extra handkerchiefs? Oh, bother. No, go. No, they look like carnival performers. Oh, I am a giggle. Eddie Redmayne in a tour de force performance <laughs> captures the imagination in thrifty times. Oh, I would love to see that film. I'm sure some people in the crowd liked it. Yeah. I'm sure of it. Most of them were pretty revolted by it because that's Well, the they're thing. going to a public hanging. Yeah, but there's always a step too far. Yeah, there's but- fucking propriety here. <laughs> I don't know. Be like, I, I wanted to watch the 13 men die, but I didn't want to see their faces. This is offensive. You're still watching people die. <laughs> then, another time, Thrift hanged a dude, but didn't let him swing long enough. So when they took the dude down and put him in the coffin, he sat up, still alive. Cool. And when Thrift tried hanging him again, the crowd damn near killed Thrift instead because they thought one hanging was enough. What? Yeah, because that's actually true. Is that if you? Is it, I I've seemed to have read that somewhere. Yes, where if you survive the execution, technically that's it. Like you get one execution. Well, really? There's a reason why they say you shall be hanged from the neck until you are dead. Because there were people who survived executions. Honestly, they no- survived the hanging, and they, they and then they argued like. Well, the law was carried out. They were hung, mm-hmm. but they survived, so they let him go. And that's when they amended it to shall be hanged from the neck until he is dead. There is one person I know for a fact on this earth that could survive multiple days, three days the same as Jesus Christ survived, the rock. <laughs> if you tried to hang the rock, his neck would just break the rope. I think that if he goes five hours without a protein shake, I think his muscles will just fall off of his body. <laughs> But hanging was nothing compared to what John Thrift was going to have to pull off with the axe. Uh-oh. And furthermore, these two dudes that he was supposed to execute were a big deal because they'd risen up against the crown during the Jacobite uprising. Mm. So this was nothing less than a treason beheading. Okay. Man, just John Thrift just listening to that one shot at the mic song by Eminem. <laughs> just going like, oh, I wish that the beats of this song didn't make my body shiver. Oh, this is far too distracting. Back to the silence of my room. <laughs> Now you can stream the live TV you love for just 40 bucks a month with Sling TV. Get your favorite channels and shows for the best price. 
If you want live sports, Sling has all the football playoffs and pro and college basketball. Stay up to date with breaking news from around the world with MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Sling also has reality, TV, popular entertainment, kid shows, and more. Sling costs almost half as much as other live TV providers, so you can watch more and pay less. Sling is easy. Sign up in minutes, stream at home or on the go on up to three devices, and record up to 50 hours with included DVR space. Get flexible channel lineups that put you in control. Pause, change, or cancel your service at any time. You'll never get locked into a long-term contract. Check out Sling.com for special offers. Sling, the live TV you love for a price you love. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace! With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what's new. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. Um, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya Centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year, and that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses, take pictures of the horses, Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse, ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Now, no matter what the station of the criminal or the offense, people always showed up for executions, and it was thousands of people in that crowd. Wow. The atmosphere could actually be compared to like a modern-day sporting event, complete with vendors who sold hot potatoes, fruit, gingerbread men. 
and oh. pies. You imagine That's just fun. How sad. <laughs> this is just the saddest time. Just gnawing on a hot potato. <laughs> just waiting for someone oh. to lose their head. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I hope to make the rope too long and his head poops off. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much fun. Technically, this is smorgasburg. Yeah. It's like smorgasburg if they killed a bunch of hipsters in a row, which would be kind of fun to see. Absolutely. If you're in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, enjoy smorgasburg. It's very tasty. Yeah, these guys, they even had merch because sometimes the condemned would publish a last statement for the crowd to read before the execution commenced. Wow. It was pretty much like a program. Like a playbill. Yeah, playbill. Oh, my God. And with the beheading of these two Jacobites on the docket for this execution, nobody was going to miss it. And since John Thrift had never performed a beheading and was kind of high-strung to begin with, (laughs) he was hit with just about as bad a case of stage fright as you could imagine. This is what happens when you decide to hire Emo Phillips as your executioner. (laughs) (laughs) So, when John, dressed in his white executioner suit, walked walked up to the platform and heard the roar of the crowd and looked out at the thousands of people that were waiting for him to do his job... He fainted. (laughs) Like fucking goofy. I just feel like at some point, if you did show that kind of weakness at this time period, they should have just fucking killed him. They should have just went up and just smashed his head with a hammer and like, new executioner, please. I'm sure someone threw one of those hot potatoes at him. I'm sure of that. (laughs) Well, they were able to arouse him with a cup of wine. But they're getting him hammered. Well, just to wake him up, just to wake him up and to calm the nerves a little bit. But when the fourth Earl of Kilmernock walked up the steps, John Thrift started crying. (laughs) 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 The Earl actually had to talk him down. (laughs) And then he gave him a few coins for his trouble. Oh, my God. Thank you for your everlasting kindness, Earl of Kilmernock. And he's like... Yeah, this whole thing would be a lot better if I wasn't about to get fucking murdered, huh? <laughs> Let's do this. Now, the part about the coins, that actually wasn't out of the ordinary. It was actually customary for lords facing execution to tip the executioner. Hmm. See, if you gave a little extra coin, you'd get better service. If you didn't, maybe things don't go as smoothly as they might have. But Maybe he- the axe doesn't go down. I don't know. My pockets are a little light right now. Maybe if my pockets were heavy with some coin, maybe mm. that axe would come down a little smoother. I don't know. But wouldn't you want it not to go perfectly? Because perfectly means your head's in a basket. Yeah. But, but if it's not, then maybe you could survive. You don't survive. No, they keep, survive. they keep going until your head's gone. Mm. Yeah, it goes from a hopefully 30-second thing to a several-minute-long chop, chop. Chop and you're just and you're just going, oh, oh, oh. Right, like right. it's not cool, yeah. it's not fun. Well, it, I don't know. At the same time, make them work for it. Yeah, you know this guy's probably pretty weak holding that ass. I would. Well, that's why I would start with you. Got to catch me. Yeah. You got to catch me. Get to that basket. Me like, woo, 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 woo. And they're like, technically, we have to give him his dignity. Cover him in grease. <laughs> No, what you wanted to do is you wanted to get down and you wanted to stay as still as possible because Mm. if you moved around, that was only going to make things take longer because you wanted him to hit that axe. You wanted him to hit that neck once and hit it true. Hmm. And the case of the Earl of Kilmernock, the tip that he gave uh, good old John Thrift, 
apparently bolstered his confidence a little bit. <gasps> Once the Earl's head was rested on the block, John Thrift composed himself and swung down the axe, sending the Earl's head rolling with just one swipe. Oh my goodness, the hot potatoes tasted good <laughs> that day. He finally did it. He finally made good. He's like Rudy. He is like Rudy. But, unfortunately for the Lord of Balmerino... John Thrift did not go two for two that day. Hmm. It's tough. It's like baseball. Yeah. You know, two for two is real difficult. See, in order for the axe to come down, the condemned had to give a signal that they were ready. They had to raise their hand. And that's when the axe would come down. Just seems like they have a lot of power over this situation. <laughs> well, they're lords. They they want it to still be dignified because that's this so is funny. you know this is England, so right. there's still there's much propriety. Of course, they yeah. have so many rules. Yes, but as John Thrift raised his axe, he's waiting for the signal. The Lord of Balmerino. He gave a signal, but when he did, he wildly flung up his hand, and he accidentally hit Thrift. And Thrift still tried to swing the axe true, but since he was knocked off balance, he just gave the Lord a horrific flesh wound. (laughs) (laughs) And him going like, oh, I'm sorry, oh, brother, oh, sorry. And he's like, oh, my, kill kill me. This is just Monty Python. Blood shooting all over him. This is straight Monty Python. Yeah, and since Thrift was, like, kind of rattled, it took two more more swings to take off the lord's head oh and right. to make matters worse afterwards because thrift had killed jacobite leaders their followers harassed him for the rest of his life even going so far as to throw bricks and awful at his funeral procession oh my goodness <laughs> that's what you can remember. and you know right before after he did it and they're all booing him he's like no no wait no you don't understand the reason why i'm so nervous is because I am gay. <laughs> and everyone applauds. Oh, and then just hero. cuts to the Oscars. It. Eddie Redmayne getting his Oscar, being like, I couldn't have done this if I didn't learn to frown ten years ago. Thank you, everyone, for another perfectly earned award. <laughs> okay, so now, so they knew who he was. They this, knew who he was. He was not a secret yeah. guy. No, no, oh. no, 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 no. Not all of them were secret. Some of them, okay. uh, some of them were fully and totally known to the public, but most of the time the identity was a secret. There is some justice in the fact that he was openly mocked for the rest of his life yeah. because, of course, he does take so many lives. It's a strange it's a strange side effect of the career because, again, I really thought that they would be seen as heroes. No, nope. but people need to have the position almost to keep the gears moving. If you're going to have executioners, if you're going to have executions, you need executioners. Yeah. So it's almost like we've all decided on the system. You can't blame the system that you decided that you want because if we weren't doing executions, I don't know how we would be holding control of these groups of society at this time period. Right. Well, there was one upside to being the executioner. Okay. You got first dibs on the upper garments of whoever you killed. Yeah. (laughs) You get the clothes. The blood-soaked clothes (laughs) of the person recently deceased. And in 1603, a fight almost broke out between a local sheriff and the executioner over this very custom. Hmm. See, the lord who was being beheaded had gone to the block wearing a beautiful black satin gown. Oh. And the yeah. sheriff figured he'd help himself. But when the executioner heard this, he told the sheriff, you want the gown? 
You chop off the fucking head. You chop yeah. off the head. Yeah, dude, you do the fucking work. Yeah, you work for that gown. Mm-hmm. And the executioner, of course, won the particular argument and won the beautiful black satin gown. So now oh. do you do you, you just kind of slip it off the, the neck there, huh? Yeah. Kind of take yep. it off. Yeah, huh. you just pull it. It's like a tablecloth then. Interesting. <laughs> I, it would be kind of fun if one of them came up with a costume that included a big paper mache second head. <laughs> like, I think we'd be like, <laughs> am I the cleverest? Duke of all, and they just fucking murder you even worse. Yeah, probably. All right, so they wore their best clothes. Mm -hmm. Another thing, I wouldn't have done it. I would have worn my worst. Everybody who went to the gallows always wore their finest clothes, and that includes uh, the common man. The common man would always wear his finest clothes, uh, and Mm. usually, you know, because you wanted to do it with a little bit of dignity. Right, yeah. So after the heads were chopped off, they would be sent to a place called Jack Ketch's Kitchen, where they would go through a process called parboiling. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is, that's got to be a strange kitchen to work in. Yeah. Yes. Parboiling means that the head would be dropped into a pot of boiling water and partially boiled in a soup of sea salt and cumin. Technically, they're turning it into carne asada. <laughs> <laughs> That way, the still recognizable heads, they were only partially boiled, remember, could be displayed at one of the many entrances to London as a warning. And since birds hate cumin, or at least seagulls do, the heads were safe from the pesky beaks. Oh, right. I don't know, man. Do we know for a fact they hate cumin? It seems <laughs> like know. a very random, specific spice to be blamed. It just seems like, honestly, what they need is some queer eye for the straight guy. It seems like they're. That's the name of that show, right? Yeah. Sure. It, see, that's what it's called. That is what it's called. But it seems I'm like more saying sure in- to your entire perspective. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it seems like they need, they need to get a different interior designer in there. No, this is exterior yes. design. This exterior. This, they is need- the, this is the top. This is the London Bridge. Well, I yeah, don't man, know. Curb it. appeal. It You're talking about curb like, appeal. I'm just saying it seems like men are creating this design. Yeah. It's just a bunch of spikes <laughs> yes. with a bunch of yes. heads on them. It's like a 13-year-old boy's perfect dream. Yeah. That's what, yeah, my room was covered in shit just like that when I right. was 13. This is why we had a lot of conversations. I'm sure your parents had a lot of conversations about you. Oh, no, no, no. They, uh, they just ignored it. Very good. <laughs> Very good. That's how you do it. A higher profile executees, however, would be displayed in windows on a velvet cushion for all to see, such as what was done with the head of Mary, Queen of the Scots. Oh. Can you also imagine a magazine called Executies, <laughs> which is their heads, but just being like, how dreamy is this head of Ryan, Lord of the Brambleberries? And it's just all talking about like, wouldn't it be cute if we could swap bodies with the other hot boys and all that kind of fun stuff like a tiger beat but for dead royalty right i like it yeah but this actually had a reason beyond just deterrency back in those days the state displayed the head to prove that those who hadn't been able to attend the execution in person that the victim really and truly was dead so it's kind of like a rerun it's like a rerun or i mean they didn't have newspapers they weren't able to print photos or anything like that no tv right so you had to prove to the people yes the person is dead okay and also in this next point the idea of preventing people from later showing up and impersonating the deceased to get their shit yeah to lay claim to their titles and estates 
Well, I mean, I, I don't think that you would want to impersonate a person that is obviously on death row because then wouldn't you just be on death row? Mm. No, you go to another area, town, where they, the news hasn't gotten to them that you are dead. You show up as a fake noble, you can go and get other shit. I was, it was in fucking Dan Carlin's King of Kings, which I'm out listening to, where they talk about how the Persian throne was all thrown off by a dude showing up pretending to be the dead son of Cyrus the Great, and it's very interesting, but so they do I, that all the time. So I would just need to hope that a six foot seven, 300-pound redheaded person committed a heinous crime and deserved to be beheaded. Yeah. And then I could be him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then you could totally it's handle identity it. It'd be yeah, all, all about you. But all that, that was in England. Hmm. In England, they used the axe. Okay. In Germany, they didn't use the axe. They used the sword. And as it is with most things German, and especially with German executions, mm. the sword was precise, efficient, and instantly deadly. Yikes. See, the Germans beheaded their criminals standing up with the executioner behind them. The swordsman would then raise the sword, swing it three or four times in a circle to gain momentum, and then strike. Oh, just like spinning in a circle. That's such a good way to attack somebody. Uh, oh, I no, they would spin in a circle the... above their heads. They wouldn't spin around in a circle. Like, well, that would like make they it would really spin difficult. around like a five-year-old trying to make himself high. Or yeah, it's like a birthday. Pinata. I also didn't know. I also didn't know that the Bonilla family had German ancestors. Bobby Bonilla, there it is. Germany's most famous sword executioner was a man named Franz Schmidt who kept a detailed diary of each execution he performed. So German. Franz Schmidt! (laughs) And it wasn't just murderers that he was tasked with killing. Here's an account from Schmidt's diary talking about a criminal he beheaded named George Schorpf. Oh, what did Schorf do? He he stepped in somebody's oatmeal. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, he was a lecher, guilty of beastliness, with four cows, two calves, and a ship. I beheaded him at Vilne, his body being afterwards burnt together with a cow. What did he do? He fucked a bunch of cows. He, he fucked a bunch of animals, and then, and then they cooked him. With the cows. With the cows. Which is fucking That's awesome. Well, that's but sort also, of a dream come true for the guy, isn't it? No, he's dead. dead. No. No, well, he it? likes to be with the cows. That's all I'm saying. He felt it necessary to put his stem into the flower of a cow. So what did we do? Oof, we made quite a tartare of his behind. My but I do God. think it's important to note that the smell of that must have been very interesting because mm-hmm. you've got that delicious cow cooking mixed with the human meat and it reminds me of when we were doing the Donner Party and I was watching the show The Terror on AMC which is really good and they talk about the same thing about being so hungry that the smell of the human meat cooking makes your mouth water. Well I think that's more of really that's 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 a Henry thing that's a Henry <laughs> thought there. Interesting so he was a German cow Lover. Yes, he was a German cow lover and was beheaded for being a German cow lover. But for it says he fucked four cows, two calves, and a sheep. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> That's what they can prove. Yeah. <laughs> now, how, now they lot. didn't have surveillance footage back then. So how many? Okay, it so does I sound have like a question it here. sounds like a wood rocket parody of the Animal Farm. Yes, um, but if you see him having sex with one cow, you would think you would stop it, right? You'd think. But you have four cows, a sheep, and what else? Uh, uh two calves and two. Calves calves 
So they had to let him continue. Yeah. They just had to think, let him go and fi- they're like, make sure he finishes up like it's a dog. <laughs> I think George Sharp was like, hey, listen, I know this is bad. Everyone's mad at me. I'm going to be beheaded. We know this. So can't I just finish? And they're like, yes, yeah, you fuck it all. I guess get it all out of your system and then we'll murder you. Every every sheep crosses their legs. I mean, this is horrible. This is This is horrible what he did to those animals. And this is what Franz Schmidt said happened with George Shorp's head before it was burned with the cow. This is what happened right after the beheading. Quote, Then placed on the stone, his head turned several times as if it wanted to look about, moved its tongue and opened its mouth as if it wanted to speak for a good half quarter hour. I have never seen the like of this. Ooh, so <laughs> put me next to some udders. <laughs> his final, his final words. So he was still, um, I guess, alive, conscious at the very Whoa, least. Oh, for fifteen minutes. Well, see, that well, sort these... of thing usually only happen with such quick methods of beheading, such as like the guillotine. And mm-hmm. by the way, we're going to be covering the guillotine in full during our upcoming series on the French Revolution. Ooh. That's like a little bit farther in the upcoming but it will happen Mm -hmm. it will happen yes it is probably later on next year or the year after that but yeah we're definitely going to be doing a french revolution series but schmidt was able to accomplish this with just a sword and another example of his precision take the case of margaret bakken whom schmidt beheaded in 1645 bakken was sentenced to death after killing a woman who had only asked bakken to check her head for lice and as bakken (laughs) checked she grabbed a hatchet and sank it into her victim's skull. That's a way to get rid of lice, I guess, is you just get rid of the whole top half of the head. I guess so, yeah. It's like I got some good news and some bad news. Mm-hmm. Turns out there's no lice, but uh, there's an axe in your head. <laughs> oh, oh, no. oh, dang. No. <laughs> so when Bakken was on the platform and the signal was given to take the strike, she raised her arms at just the moment that the sword sliced through her neck, and Schmidt's strike was so true and strong that the sword took off both her head and her hands all in one swing. Man, how fucking metal is that? (laughs) He swings it, he knocks off the head and the hands, and for a second... That because we know the body kind of dances and holds for just a second. The hand squirting blood and the head squirting blood, <laughs> oh. like it's like river dancing up there. The whole audience is fucking clapping in unison. That must be so much fun, right? But it wasn't only the living that got beheaded. Such was the case with Oliver Cromwell, who had briefly abolished the monarchy in England in 1649 by beheading Charles I. Hmm. Cromwell ruled as Lord Protector of England until his death by urinary infection at the age of 59, and his commonwealth died soon after. Can you imagine that? Dying of a urinary tract infection? What that would be like? (sighs) No. So he was an executioner. And he beheaded the number one. He was one. not an executioner. Was not. You don't know who Oliver Cromwell is? Cromwell? <laughs> I don't know. What is he, the sick kid from fucking A Christmas Carol? <laughs> no, Oliver Cromwell is an important part of history. Um, <laughs> Whatever. He, he was a real bitch. <laughs> okay, well, now I know. Well, when the monarchy was reestablished the following year, Oliver Cromwell was exhumed and posthumously executed by beheading. Hmm. That's what you get, you piece of shit. Well, what did this guy do? Uh, he uh, essentially usurped the crown of England. Uh, he led a revolution, mm-hmm. uh, executed Charles II, and ran the Commonwealth of oh. England. 
But he was a very intense Puritan. Yes. He was a uh, he was a uh, moral majority kind of guy. I see. His body, after being beheaded, was buried under the gallows while his head was impaled on a spike and displayed on the roof of Westminster Hall for 40 years <laughs> until, legend has it, got blown down during a big storm. Oh, big oh. storm. 40 years? Good Lord. It's hard, man. But had Cromwell not succeeded in his revolution, he probably would have been subjected to the punishment that was reserved for the worst of England's traitors. Uh-oh, no tea for a year. <laughs> Drawing and quartering. Woo! Yeah, man, this is this is fun, dude. You could have a lot of fun with guts. They <laughs> if you just don't did. care about killing people, guts are fun. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Now, most people think because of Braveheart that being drawn and quartered is having each limb tied to a horse and then those horses are slapped on the ass and the body is torn into five pieces, limb and torso. Mm-hmm. Now, this was done, but it was mm. mostly a French thing. Uh. And a lot of times the horses had to be helped along by, again, a little cutting of some of the more stubborn ligaments that hold our bodies together. Uh. God, how fucking terrifying is that? As you're sitting there, you're all tied to the horses, waiting for it to go, and then you got the French executioner running up and like, Oh, I'm sorry, my good sir. But uh, I'm going to have to do, how do I say, a little bit of extensive tickling. <laughs> don't worry, don't need to hurt for a second. And then, just saw on his fucking armpits oh and his my. legs. And he's like, oh, it's waiting there in the, oh, and then you die as a torso, man. Yeah. Oh. But what being drawn and quartered actually was in England, and what actually happened to William Wallace of Braveheart fame, is far worse. See, I always thought drawn was just a fancy way of saying tied to a horse mm-hmm. the drawing is actually the worst part of a five-step process did they put the hands inside the butthole of the horse and the foot inside the butthole of the horse <laughs> that would be bad the grand muffler give him the grand muffler no. i don't want to be a muffler i'm not a muffler i'm a man first the victim would be dragged through the streets to the place of execution then they would be hung by their neck just a little bit oh. before being taken down and woken up with a splash of cold water to the face. Hmm. They'd then be strapped down to the table, and the executioner would move to phase two. This is when the drawing occurs. Taking a sharp knife, the executioner would slit open the belly of the condemned. Then, using a special instrument because guts are slippery things, uh-huh. <laughs> the executioner would remove or 
draw out the victim's intestines and throw them into the flames, sometimes cool. with the guts still attached to the person's body. You oh, gotta, yeah. You gotta get those <laughs> sticky gloves that NFL receivers are using now. They, I mean, all these one-handed catches. It's a little well, It's a little easier nowadays with sticky gloves, folks. Okay. <laughs> I, I am going to say, he. you have to be a pretty big customer of Pampered Chef to get all of this in one go. Like, because these are, you're talking about tongs. Yeah. Oh, because you use instruments, you got to get in there, you got to get a hold of the one app, though it's got to be hard to tangle them enough so you can get them all out because you don't, you don't probably want to pull them out because then the guy dies too soon. Yeah. Right. And then you want to slap it on open flame, kind of like you're charring it, like a chef stable. Mm-hmm. Weird. So he can feel all of that, this guy. Yeah, he can yeah. feel <gasps> Oh, yeah. No, this guy can feel all of it. <sighs> and if the guy was really unlucky, that, the whole guts pulled out thing, right? that was preceded by full castration, <laughs> which symbolized that no more traitors will be sired by this guy right here. Well, I think I the know. guts did yeah, it. Yeah, the guts. <laughs> the guts seems to spoil the erotic mood of the future, I imagine. Sir, can I just say the women got it? They don't like me anymore, I promise you. But the coup de grace came when, as the victim watched his entrails and his dick and balls roast on a fire, the executioner would reach up into the stomach wound and rip out the heart of the condemned. Jeez! Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom style. Yeah. Then the executioner, he'd take a little breather. Well, well, naturally. <laughs> I, I, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. I need a green juice. Yep. Yeah, After all bar, this. Green juice in you. Have some carrots. And then his assistant came in. And the assistant took care of the beheading. And once the head was removed, the executioner would return, raise the head on high, and declare to the cheering crowd, Behold the head of a traitor! <laughs> so die, you old traitors! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, yes! Yes! Whoa! Then, of course, the head would be parboiled and put on a stake on London Bridge. Of course. I mean, there's nothing else you could do with it. You could just <laughs> throw it away or bury it like you're a human. But no, 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 you, no, have no, to, no. you have to boil it and put it on a spike. You know, actually, sometimes they would give the head back to relatives. That's nice. Yeah, there was, love that. Yeah, there was one woman who kept the head of her father for like 20 years, and then when she died, they put his head in a cage in her tomb, oh, and uh, they were buried oh, together. Oh, very nice. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah, it's always um, fun to be buried with a poltergeist. <laughs> But there was still one more step, the quartering. Uh Uh-oh. This was done pretty much as a promo to the crown. The legs and arms would be hacked off from the torso, and they'd get torn around to other cities, showing people what would happen if they tried fucking with the king. Yep. I wonder if anyone was like, yeah, it doesn't look that bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, I could probably go with that. I, I'm, it's fine. Yeah, it's cool. He's got nice hands. Yeah. It's kind of fun to see, actually. I've never seen a hands without a guy. It's kind of fun. <laughs> uh, I feel like we'll probably do the same thing with someone along the lines of the Kardashians, where it's just their butt oh, being like, be. brought from city to city, and then you can go, and for a quarter, well, probably in this time period, $25, you can stick your face in it. Oh, my. <laughs> but one guy who was subjected to being drawn and quartered Fought till the end. As Major General Thomas Harrison, sentenced for treason in 1660, was having his guts pulled out of his stomach, he managed to sit up and he punched his executioner in the face. Woo! 
Fuck yeah, it is. Then he died. Then he did die. Ah, he then did he did die. die. And, yes, and he's his, a real Yeah, and his head ended up on London Bridge all the same. Ah. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, once you're in that once you're at that point, I don't think there's a lot of turning back. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if you're gonna fight the entire kingdom to get out of there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I just miss when treason was a real crime. <laughs> you know? It seems like they really they really took it seriously back in the day. They really did. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. And it's not like there was just like one or two heads up on London Bridge. Germany's Duke of Württemberg, who thought the whole spectacle was, quote unquote, quite splendid, Ugh. said that he counted 34 heads <laughs> upon his entrance into the city. Well, what do you think you- it is? Do you think we're just, at the time period, people are just more comfortable with death and bodies to begin with? It seems to be the people see a lot more death. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot more just open grave action seem to be happening. They had so nothing having else. a bunch of rotting heads at the front of your city, mm, like, you know, welcome rotting. to, uh, they, welcome Henry, to please, prov, uh, Providence. Henry, please, they were parboiled. They were parboiled. This is before Game Boy, which is still peak video game technology, I heard. Billboards, yeah. you gotta count something on the road. I feel like I, nowadays it would just be more shocking than it was then. Yeah. Now it sounds really shocking, but but then it was just more like a, oh yeah, 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 one falls down, you kick it around like a soccer ball for a little while. It's kind of fun. Kids love it, <laughs> right? But if they saw, I mean, if you replace those heads with a Hooters billboard, they would be like, what kind of primitive Neanderthals live in 2018? That is disgusting, sir. You get a hot chick in a tube top, right? And you think she's got two kind of maybe weird shaping, like, wonderful breasts underneath her tube top. And she pulls down the top, and you're waiting to pop a bone, and it's just two dead dukes' heads. Cool. Like, attached to her. But, you know, before we pass judgment, we here in America drew and quartered people as well. Actually, we only yeah. did it once. And it was before America was even a country. It was back in 1676. Hmm. We did it with a guy, and it was still the English who did it. Oh, uh, of course yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, They uh, They drew and quartered a colonist named Joshua Teft, uh, who had fought alongside the Narragansett tribe against his fellow colonists. Fighting for beer rights. <laughs> mm, Narragansett. Not a bad beer. You know, surprisingly, Canada, they actually tried it a couple of times. Really? Yeah. Huh. yeah they, they tried it? <laughs> did they not succeed? Well, the first time they succeeded, they did it in Quebec in 1797, and they okay. almost did it again in 1814 when they sent it 17 traders to British Columbia after the War of uh, 1812. He spit out the poutine. <laughs> I knew he was not for us. He's a witch. But they ended up backing out uh, and only executed eight of them without quartering them, and the rest they just gave them a nice reprieve. This, Man, I'm we're not doing this malign. fucking halfway bullshit. Come on, Canada. I mean, come on, Canada. <laughs> oh, God. It's like that uh, mall that we went to in Toronto where none of the escalators matched up, and you had to walk across and you sense. had to walk across the whole fucking mall I to love, get to the next escalator. We love the Canadian people, but it is, it is true where everything is different. It's just, there's, I don't, it's not planned. Like, not. It's not planned. It seems right. really improvised. And I just, I'm, I'm scared of buildings that are improvised. Yeah. I like buildings with, like, a lot of thought put into it. Right. <laughs> Well, drawing and quartering was tried one last time in Derbyshire, England in 1817, although the public didn't really have the stomach for it anymore. Times of taste have changed. Taste changed, yeah. Three men were convicted of starting riots to protest high unemployment and unfair labor practices and were sentenced to drawing and quartering for their troubles. So they had two Jesus. very reasonable complaints. Extremely reasonable yes. complaints. They were trying for to unionize. 1817. Yeah, yeah, they were essentially trying to unionize and the government sentenced them to 
to uh, one of the worst executions possible. Oh, my. Uh, but when the time came to carry out the sentence, it was decided, just hang and behead them. You don't got to do the whole guts thing or anything like that. Just hang them and then cut off their head. But even this was too much. See, after the body swung for an hour, as was the custom, the actual executioner wasn't up to performing the beheading. You know what it is? Is that I, I like... Honestly, I've really been extending myself, so instead of doing the beheading, I think I'm just going to take a self-care moment, and I'm going to binge watch Friends! They got a duck. So, instead of the executioner doing it, they just got a local coal miner to come out and do it. Just some dude. Again, you're properly drunk. You just had the right shot at J-Mo. I'll do it. Yeah, sure. Whatever you you need to do, I'll do it. I mean, you're a working man. You got working man's rage. Although it is kind of sad because these people were fighting for workers' rights. They were. And then you just got a regular old worker to, to behead them. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. And not surprisingly, this guy had no idea what he was doing. He didn't know how to behead a person. Thank God. If he was super good, I think they got to, <laughs> gotta, like, raid his house. Yeah, so he's just, like, swinging again and again at these guys' necks. Blood spurting everywhere. He's failing at every turn. And so the Fire. crowd freaks out and just Runs away in disgusted horror. People are puking and vomiting everywhere. This is my moment. I'm doing my best here, guys. Oh, don't run away. Oh. And that brought the era of bloody British execution to an end. Oh, oh. very good. Now, these were extreme cases. Drawing and quartering was by no means a regular event, nor was beheading. For most cases in England, state execution came down to nothing more than a good old-fashioned hanging. Okay. In London, the place for hangings was Tyburn, a.k.a. Scraggum Fair. Yeah, oh, the women are still beautiful there, and the men, <laughs> they are plentiful. <laughs> Scraggum Fair. Now, this spot was originally chosen for two reasons. One, good trees, strong branches. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, this these beautiful trees. Can you imagine just seeing beautiful trees? It's the first thing you think of me like, oh, look at that. Bet we could hang a lot of fucks on that. <laughs> <laughs> and two, it was on the main road into London from the north, meaning mm. everyone got a good look on their way in. Great. So over the years, the method of hanging in England evolved just like any other process used in a profession. At first, when they started formalizing the process, they'd have the condemned stand on a ladder, the noose would be tied around the neck, and then they just kick the ladder out from underneath them. Right, right. And the person would swing and kick for about 20 minutes. Because, as we know, strangling someone to death is much more difficult than the movies make it seem. Mm -hmm. I think the movie that made it seem as difficult as it is and as horrifying as it is, The House That Jack Built. Yes. Lars von Trier's new movie really shows what that process looks like. The His strangling by hand in that movie is some Ugh. of the more disturbing footage I've seen in a while, and it takes a long time and a lot of effort. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But in the case of the English prisoners... Mercifully, the condemned were actually permitted help. If someone was willing, a family member, friend, or servant was allowed to reach up and 
pulled down on the legs of the condemned as they were hanging, adding weight and bringing the sweet release of death that much faster. They just got one big fat guy who calls himself the anchor. And he's like, <laughs> don't worry about it. I'll know what you need. And you be a big heavy shape. Okay. A big of an ankle, whatever, right? Yeah. When, you, when you said they advanced, I thought you were going to be like, and then they brought in the fog machine. <laughs> and with the fog machine became, came strobe lights. And there were all sorts of fun terms and like turns of phrase surrounding these executions. In Scotland, hangmen were known as doomsters. Cool. cool. Yeah. While in England, they were commonly called scrag boys. I like yeah, doomster okay. a little bit better than scrag boy, which <sighs> sounds like someone who has to clean the text. <laughs> testicles of a, of a king. I love Scrag Boy. Scrag Boy? Scrag Boy is one of my new favorite words. Scrag Boy sounds like he picks dingleberries out of royalty's ass. <laughs> Honestly, a Scrag good. Boy would be fun to give him a couple of dollars because, you know, Scrag Boy, will, he'll shimmy up a pipe. If you if you lose a kite, he'll go right up on a tree. You know what I mean? He'll take a bullet for you because all he wants to be is dead. These are expendable boys. Yeah, Scrag Boy versus Doomster. You want to be a Doomster. No, well, I no mean, to not- me... The doomsters sound like it's teamsters all dressed up as demons. It's like all dressed up. What was it? The uh, was it Appetite for Destruction? What was the name of that uh, weight that wrestling tag team with the two guys with the, the Legion of pads? Doom? Yes. Legion of Doom. It's those yeah, guys, of course. but Road they're transpo. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> doomsters. And there were, of course, all the weird old timey customs that went along with hanging. While the man was dying by the rope, women would line up to press the man's hand to their face as a way to cure blemishes. It was like an acne cure. <laughs> well, I don't know. Now, how would that work? I don't even know because Natalie's got this, these creams that she puts on at night that I'm not allowed. I can't kiss her when, when, she, when it's on her face because that's what she just has these creams. But I can't imagine the opposite where instead of covering in creams, you just cover it in scrag boy mess. <laughs> Well, you just you, no, you would have to have scrag a scrag boy have mess. Have it's a, not that the scrag boy is the executioner. Yeah, you just yes, have to have. She be. would have to open up her drawer, and out comes a severed hand, like you're living in the Adams family house. And then she dabs her face with that. Now, what you're talking about, Ben, that's a hand of glory. A hand of glory is something different altogether. Isn't that when you sit on your left hand? And, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's called the ants over for dinner. <laughs> The hanging was also an opportunity to cure disease. Children with infected limbs would have their wounds rubbed against the skin of the dying man as it was believed that the quote-unquote death sweat had healing powers. Who the hell said that? How did this happen? Some some doctor was yes anding himself into oblivion. He was like, I've got to come up with something. Go rub on the corpse. (laughs) I think that this should come back. I think kids should be taught to be more chilled to the very bone. And as little kids, they should be lowered into caskets by their parents going, don't worry, you'll feel better after this. <laughs> I guess it could toughen up them, toughen them up a little bit. But in the 12th century, capital punishment was getting to be more popular. So the English built an apparatus to accommodate the demand, which is, I mean, the apparatus, it was just a long crossbeam. Okay. But with that, with the invention of a long crossbeam, they could now hang 10 men at once. Wow, it's like how you can make uh, what was it White Castle burgers you can have you get you can make them real fast. <laughs> you know how they do that? They make You talking real- about like a, the Henry Fording of the gallows industry kind of? Kind of. Yeah, yeah the absolutely. assembly line. 
Yeah, and, and with the way that they can do the ketchup, you can get three ketchups, you can get three burgers, you can put ketchup on them with one, one push. Uh, yeah, actually, sir, sir, cool. your your bus is here, sir. <laughs> do, do you need to get on your bus? I'm I see saying, on your ticket. It's that's why that's why they sold over a billion hamburgers. <laughs> Well, the condemned would stand on a long horse cart, and once all the men were noosed, someone would smack the horse, and each man would fall one by one Ugh. as the cart disappeared beneath their feet. It's horrifying. But the crime rate, or at least the number of hangable crimes, rose even further in the 16th century. Hmm. So the English decided 10 wasn't enough. Oh, my God. In 1571, they introduced the three-legged mare, the triple tree, which allowed 24 men to be hanged at once, eight from each beam. I don't know if I'd go see it now, but at the time... You can feel how excited people would be about this. I'm sure, yeah. Oh, the crowds went nuts for it. That yeah. is a lot of showmanship, getting all of those guys up there, get, essentially murdering an entire NBA team. Right, two <laughs> in NBA a go. teams. Yeah. So, so many people came out to the executions that the people who owned the land around Tyburn they erected grandstands and charged prices commensurate with how famous the person being executed was. How did anyone awesome. ever start watching baseball? <laughs> like, if that is the competition, it's like hanging 24 people are like, well, they hit the ball with the stick and they run. <laughs> what do you mean? They don't die? No, no, no. They get celebrated. No, no, they do die, but it's of mouth cancer in their 40s. <laughs> but charging higher prices for the grandstand almost backfired in 1758 Uh-oh. when the owner of the grandstands, a one Mammy Douglas, charged extra for the hanging of the treasonous Dr. Hennessy. The hitch came when Hennessy was reprieved at the last minute. So the spectators who had paid extra for a famous hanging, right. and by God we're gonna get it, damn near hanged Mammy Douglas instead wow. and were barely stopped by the authorities. But as all good things come to an end, the hanging grounds moved from Tyburn in 1759 after it was deemed bad for the surrounding businesses and homes. I believe it. I believe it. No, it sounds like all the people in Williamsburg now that are having kids, they want to kick all the bars out because they're the ones not having a good time anymore. Williamsburg, Mm -hmm. Brooklyn, it is a lot of children out here now. Yes, it is. Yikes. Well, pretty much, uh, you know, that entire part of London would shut down during the executions because Mm. there'd be so many people coming. And the people were pissed that the grounds had been moved. This is what happened. I was in San Diego for Comic Con with all you all, with all you all, mm-hmm. and talk. Don't talk to them about the Chargers Ooh. who moved to L.A. They were they're livid. Yeah. Well, take for example this grumpy old man letter written by the highly respected English writer and lexicographer Samuel Johnson after Tyburn was moved. The age is running mad after innovation. All the business in the world is to be done in a new way. Tyburn itself is not safe from the fury of innovation. It is not an improvement. They object that the old method drew together too many spectators. Sir, executions are intended to draw spectators. If they do not draw spectators, they don't answer their purpose. The old method was most satisfactory to all parties. The public were gratified by a procession and the criminal was supported by it. Why is this all to be swept away? 
also bring back pubic hair. <laughs> Honestly, the New York Post would publish that letter to the editor today. That is like, it's funny how things really don't change, huh? Yeah, no. they really don't. I mean, this guy's he's pretty much bitching about gentrification. He's mad that, he, he's he's just mad that his band finally got a gold record. It's always how it happens. Right. As soon as something gets popular, everybody gets upset. He's just, he wanted to go watch his executions, and he, now he can't do it. Yep. It's like when cats left Broadway for a little while before they brought it back. <laughs> it is. It is just like that. Because I remember at the end of Cats when they hang the whole fucking cast yeah. and then they get the new cast the next day, which I think is the only appropriate way Cats should be performed. They get nine shows because they get nine lives. But no matter where the executions took place, the executioners did their job. And the people who held this post over the years were not surprisingly fascinating men, hmm. along with one woman. Oh. Ireland was the only country with a female executioner, a middle-aged, stout-made, swarthy-complexioned woman known as Lady Betty. Ooh. And if you've even dare call me Manly Betty, I'll execute you with my vagina. Uh-oh. I'll open your shoulders and I'll snip your neck with the lips of my vagina. <laughs> I like her. Betty had actually been forced into the position after she'd murdered her son for money because she didn't recognize him after a long trip away from home. <laughs> she it's was very Irish. Yeah, and yes. she was given a choice: hang or be hanged. Yeah, or I'll take a promotion. Yeah, she yeah. got a promotion for killing her kid. So she took over the job and worked as the local executioner all throughout the 1820s and 30s. She became so famous around Ireland that when kids were misbehaving, the parents could be heard to say, quote, Hagathapuka, here's a Lady Betty. I don't even know what Hagathapuka means. <laughs> what is Hagathapuka? I think it's Gaelic. Hagathapuka. Hagathapuka? Hagathapuka. Here's Lady Betty. Here's Lady Betty. Jack Nicholson from The Shining. What's happening? And then they, it's just a horse with a wig and a dress on. And how bad does that make Lady Betty feel? Not that they're roasting her like this. So did they, was it mostly hangings for it was, them? It was all hangings. It was yeah. all hangings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, Lady Betty wasn't beheading. Yeah, she wasn't swinging okay. the axe. Okay. As far as the men went, though, England had a long tradition of fascinating hangmen. John Hooper, a.k.a. Laughing Jack, was known as the funny guy. He's the funny he's guy. He's the funny guy. Yeah, he's well, really, Hart. He yeah. shouldn't be Laughing Jack. He should be Joking Jack, and the crowd should be laughing. <laughs> and they called him Laughing Jack because he, it was said that he had, quote, an inexhaustible cachet of humorous anecdotes. If I am getting oh, I tell you, I tell you, the earlier day, earlier today, all right? I was on the I was on the parkway there, and my big thing is, all right, why am I driving on a parkway? And this guy, he was loved by the people he worked with as well. So it seems like we now we've transitioned out of them being exiled yep. to being heroes. Yep, this okay. because like Laughing Jack is not well, I wouldn't say necessarily heroes, but begrudgingly respected. Okay. Like where people know who they are now. They can't right. really hide anymore because you know their names are on uh, government records. Right. Once it moves past the shame part and it becomes this sort of like 
technically this is a role. This is a celebrated thing. You are now the character of Laughing Jack. So I imagine that it does denote it. It's like once you make a bit out of it, it's mm-hmm. a different story right. than just being a, a random chosen dude. Mm-hmm. And his signature can still be found in the annals of the barber surgeons on receipts for Christmas bonuses of seven shillings and sixpence annually paid in appreciation of his prompt delivery of the bodies of hanged men. And that bonus was a big deal in those days because, as I said, these guys worked on commission. But that ended up biting Jack's successor in the ass particularly Mm. hard as William Brunskill came into the job right after England started shipping criminals off to Australia instead of just hanging them all. Oh, my goodness. And it wasn't until the 19th century that the executioner got a base pay. William Calcraft, who took over in 1829, made 25 shillings a week on top of one pound, one shilling for every execution, while simple floggings earned half a crown. See, it, uh, what's wow. a half a crown? I don't know. Okay. Uh, it seems like that's a lot of money, though. 25 shillings that, a week? That's like 25 cents. It's a lot of money it's then. It's like a huh? quarter. Yeah, he gets a quarter, yeah. and then he gets a dollar and a penny for every execution. Oh, man, it's all a la carte. Yeah. So they're still, they're still like freelancers. Well, they do get a, a base salary. Like, he got a base ah. of a quarter a week. They gave him, they flipped him a quarter a week, and that kind of on a retainer type of thing. Mm-hmm. But they'd really only get the big payment if they did uh, actual executions. Right. And Calcraft actually holds the record for longest duration as a hangman. He uh, did 45 years on the job in London. Whoa. Before that, he was a public execution pie salesman. And in the course of the job, he got acquainted with the hangman and started an apprenticeship. And when old Tom the hangman retired, Calcraft took over. Now, I know there's a lot to it, but an apprenticeship, like, isn't how, how much do you have to really learn? A lot. They, There's do a they lot. Tie the, do they make the noose? Do they tie the noose? They tie the noose themselves. Yeah, and you okay. got you oh, got to yeah. know exactly how long it's going to be. You got to do upkeep on the lever so and the springs. Know- all of this, it's like you have all. It's a whole industry, so okay. they have to maintain all of this bullshit. They are managers. Yeah. Right. All right. All right. Yeah. And uh, Calcraft, he wasn't just the London executioner. He also presided over Middlesex, and he was the hangman at both Maidstone Prison and Horsemonger Jail. And in addition to that, he took plenty of road gigs as well, getting paid 10 to 15 pounds per execution and loving every second of it because Calcraft was said to be particularly fond of travel. Huh. He's got his neck pillow that just made out of someone's actual neck. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Calcraft's reign truly was the end of an era, though, as he presided over England's last public execution on April 2nd, 1868. He was forced to retire at the age of 75, but left proud of the job he'd done. But the thing was, Calcraft was actually pretty terrible at the job by later standards. People were still taking 20 minutes to die, and people were still having to pull on the legs to make death go a little faster. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, and Calcraft himself was actually known to do it himself when no one else would. Okay. And that's because the method of hanging hadn't really changed in centuries. The only improvement had been that the horse cart had been replaced with the hatch and lever. Mm. The hatch and lever is the method that most of us probably picture when we think about a state-sponsored hanging. Yeah, the old Wild West, you think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The person stands on the hatch, the noose is slipped over, the lever's pulled, hatch opens, person drops. Right. Get that big... People are still hung and hanged 
in this time period, right? Don't some states still have a hanging? I'm not sure if some states still allow hanging. I think most I of them. I know they said there are some execution methods that we're going to get into in a future episode uh, that are still allowed. That is extremely surprising. Oh, they're uh, brutal. But I don't think you can still. I don't think you can choose hanging anymore. Well, why don't you just commit a horrible crime and see what happens? <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm hope to get because if I'm allowed to, it'll be death by chocolate. <laughs> well, in executioner's terms, uh, when you get hung with the lever method, mm-hmm. that's known as the short drop. Mm-hmm. And while it was effective in that it kills the person, as I said, it still took about 20 minutes of struggling and agony. It wasn't until William Marwood took over in 1874 that all that changed. See, Marwood was 56 years old when he became executioner, so he'd seen a lot of public executions in his time. Right. And he'd apparently been spending a lot of time thinking about better ways to pull it off. So, Marwood... <laughs> what, a strange, what a strange thing to just think about all oh, the time. Come on. You know? We have thought about stuff no, like that. I know, but, <laughs> I mean, but he really... I mean, professionally, he's just... That's what? his job, yeah. to think about It's that. his job. So yeah. he wants to do it better, and it comes down to it. He knows that it sucks to wait for 20 minutes, and I bet you it'll, there's a, probably a, le- a level of almost like laziness of being like, I'm sick of grabbing a squirming guy's feet and hanging on him from 20 minutes till he fucking dies. Well, Marwood was not an executioner right. when he came up with this method marwood was just a regular dude Mm, he was just a spectator who went to executions maybe it's compassion maybe he thinks of it as compassion you know and he actually did i mean he was a lifelong churchgoer he was a methodist they said he had a bit of a fondness for the gen Uh, (laughs) all right (laughs) so marwood came up with what he called the long drop see the thing he realized was that there's a sweet spot when it comes to hanging too short of a drop and the person suffers Mm -hmm. too long and the velocity of the body falling plus the weight of the body itself would cause the person's head to pop off Woo. in a geyser of blood. But see, now, honestly, doesn't that seem like the one you want if you're the person and the crowd? Uh, because I want it off. I'm one, like, just man. get my no. head off of here. The problem is, though, people like the kicking. Yeah. Yeah, well. But, and this actually happened, the head popping off actually happened more often than you'd like to think. In one case, a fruit farmer named Robert Goodale was sentenced to death for killing his wife with an iron bar and throwing her down the well. Hmm. But when it came time to hang him, the rope was just a little bit too long for Goodale's 210-pound frame. So when the lever was pulled and Goodale dropped, the executioner heard a snap and saw the rope rebound up through the hatch. The executioner thought that the rope had broken, but he noticed that the noose was still attached. What wasn't attached was Goodale's head. Uh. When the executioner peeked down into the pit, he saw Goodale's twitching, headless body laying in a pool of blood next to a bloody white bag containing the head. And in the words of the executioner himself, the rope cut through the neck as cleanly as wire-cutting cheese. Fuck yeah. Well, okay, interesting. But if you're the guy being executed again, that's really... No, because you're still conscious afterwards. Yeah, your head is still kind of lives for a second, going... Oh, oh, oh. How much time do you have away from your body there? They say anywhere from like maybe 10... May, anywhere between 10 seconds, possibly up to a minute. Honestly, what do you think, what do you think about then? Where's my body? Where's my body? Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. God, oh, God. I wish I had went to medical school. I wish that I had started acting when I was 15. Yeah, all right. But William Marwood devised a system that ensured that not only would that not happen, but that the condemned wouldn't suffer either. 
he devised a table that factored in the weight of the prisoner that would determine how long the rope should be. Mm. Then other factors such as age and neck strength were considered. Okay. Because if you were an old man with a skinny neck, your head's going to pop off a lot quicker <laughs> right. than say if you were a young guy uh, with a strong neck, but say you weighed the same. Like say me and a 150-pound-year-old man that's, you know, 30 years older. Sure. His neck's going to be weaker than my neck. Absolutely. Unless yeah, and you can also rock. tell that by, like, you should, right before you get hung, they should do a thing where they put, like, a weighted hat on you to see if your neck bends or not. I'm just adding to math that is no longer relevant. Right, absolutely. <laughs> unless it's unless it's one of those old men. Some old dudes are they got old man strength. Yeah, that is true. That's different, though. Now, once all that was calculated, you were left with the exact length of rope you would need to drop the prisoner down just far enough where the neck would snap, tearing the spinal cord from the brain, killing the condemned almost instantly. All right. All Marwood needed now was to try it out. Yeah. So he. Pe- <laughs> That's all. You just need a body. <laughs> That's it. And so he petitioned the city of London, telling them that he had a new technique for hanging that was gonna blow the old one out of the water. So- all right. Let me. Well, let's hear him out. Let's yeah. Because <laughs> Jerry here has an idea. He says, "Hang him upside down." <laughs> what we should do is we should hang him by their feet and spin him around the pole until the gravity of the earth, whatever that is. The ghosts inside the earth have weight. And you see, you're like, no, no, no. So London figuring, who gives a shit? They gave him a shot. Okay. And with that, Marwood, whose day job was shoe cobbling, changed the way hanging was done around the world forever. Be nice to everyone in any service industry because they're all (laughs) plotting on ways to kill you better. Yes. But that doesn't mean that Marwood was the end-all be-all. His method was actually improved upon further by James Barry, who took over in 1884 after marrying his longtime sweetheart, Anne Aykroyd. Oh, <laughs> Back in the day, man. Aykroyd. <laughs> man. She was like, and she sat there and be like, I heard I had a dream last night, James, about 12 hidden crystal skulls <laughs> that were filled with booze. Ooh. <laughs> See, Barry determined the exact spot that the rope should be placed in order to guarantee the snapping of the neck, making this method of hanging surprisingly by far the most humane out of all the methods of execution that I studied this week, including more modern methods like the gas chamber or lethal injection. Ugh. If I were to choose to be executed, hang, hang me. And do really? it. Yeah, and do it with the Marwood Berry method because it snaps your neck and like it's just and you're done. The all the rest of them, there's a buildup. Uh, you have to wait around. Uh, there's right. some, there's extreme amounts of pain involved. Uh, yeah, hanging in the Marwood method. Yep, that's it. Well, unfortunately, in this country, Marcus, you don't get to choose how you die. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do. No, it's lethal injection or the electric chair, basically. Yeah, basically. But so that's, that's not much I want of a hanging. choice. Uh, choice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'd be kind of fun or bored to death to sit there and b- put on a bunch of... The, what's that show with the twins that they all live in the hotel together on Disney? Sister, Sister? Sister, Sister. Yeah, that was a great Not, one. Yeah, put on like t- several hours of Sister, Sister, and then I'll just... Fade away. Oh, you'll love it. That show had a lot a lot going on there. Well, concerning Barry, though, he, just like Marwood, also in the shoe business. Really? Two guys in a row, they're cobblers. Wow. But Barry almost didn't get the job. When Marwood died, 
1,400 people applied for the position of hangman. Whoa. Whoa, it's like the Apple store. (laughs) Barry was selected to be among the final 20 interviewed, but got narrowly beaten out by a man named Bartholomew Benz. (laughs) I hate him. I hate him. (laughs) What's the interview process like for this? How do you? Well, I think it's you, you get a rope. The first thing, they hand you a rope and see what you do. If you immediately tie into a noose, you you go to the second phase okay. of the interview. If you turn it into a belt, they fire you because then uh, technically you're an actor. <laughs> right. like it means that you're a performer. And then the second interview is about whether or not you can dis- you, you can identify what part of the body is the neck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That it was discovered pretty soon that Bartholomew Benz was an undependable drunk and a burglar to boot. Oh. <laughs> so after a few botched executions by Benz, Barry got called off the bench. Barry hanged 131 people Ooh. during his career, but eventually became an opponent against the death penalty. Really? Oh. This was not because it was wrong for the state to take a life or because innocent people are sometimes killed, but rather, job's too hard on the hangman. Yeah, really, it's too hard a job, man. They're working too hard. That's so it needs. Well, whatever the excuse is, I'm sure it is hard on the hangman. I'm sure it is psychologically. Yeah, mm-hmm. but one hangman who seemed to do his job with gusto was among the most famous hangmen of all time, much less just the 20th century. And he was, in fact, the third man in his family to hold the hangman position. Long line of hangmen. Mm-hmm. That man was Albert Pierpont. And he was the model of efficiency. His father, Henry, averaged about 13 seconds for each execution. Okay. Damn! But in 1951, at Strangeways Prison, Albert shattered his father's record by hanging murderer James Inglis in seven and a half seconds from cell door to trap door. Woo! What what an accomplishment that you can't tell anyone about. <laughs> you remember when they used to have so many uh, Guinness World Record shows, the yeah. specials? Like that would be a cool thing to have a big setup of like for the fastest hanging, where you have like all the judges there and Howie Mandel is announcing it. And <laughs> right. You can see the seconds countdown and shit so like that. That'd be cool. You want televised executions. <laughs> That's what you're I'm not quote unquote looking forward to them. Right. But I would watch them. I'm actually pretty sure, if I, if my memory is correct, uh, when it comes to Timothy McVeigh, mm-hmm. they got pretty close to showing his execution live. Yes. They got really close. Yeah, they, yes. they piped it in from, because he was executed in Denver, right? At the I'm Supermax. not quite sure. I'm pretty sure he was executed in Denver at the Supermax prison, but I do know that they showed it on closed circuit television in, in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Yes. It, it, they, they definitely brought that back. But efficiency was not why Albert Pierpoint became famous. His fame came from hanging Nazi war criminals. Fuck yes. That must have been so fucking sweet. That is is fun. Yeah. That is why I love playing those video games like uh, Call of Duty World War II. Killing Nazis is just fun to do. It's just fun, yeah. Yeah. It's such a cathartic thing. It really is. And then every once in a while, do you see a tall, redheaded one deep in the pile of the ones you (laughs) murdered? And then is there an option for you to go close its eyes if they're still open and put the coins down so it can pay Caron on the river sticks? My grandfather got out scot-free. Scot-free, yeah. It's almost like he cleaned. (laughs) Because he was clean. Because he was clean and good of heart. Yeah, scot-free is the wrong... Scott Free implies that there was much wrongdoing. No, there was no whatever. <laughs> he was he was pure of heart. 
He said, I don't like these people. Well, Pierpoint oversaw the execution of as many as 200 Nazis, including Josef Kramer, the Beast of Belzen, and Irma Gressa, the Bitch of Buchenwald. God, have, we are. We got to do an episode on her. Yeah, we we touched point. on her briefly in a one episode. I think maybe it was Ed Gein, long, long time ago, yeah. because Irma Gressa was actually Ed Gein's dream woman. <laughs> <laughs> of course, mm-hmm. yeah. Vina, Vina Heyman would have been one of Ed Gein's dream jobs, perhaps. Uh, no, nah, well, he wasn't big in a killing. I mean, it, the guy that took the corpses over to the barber surgeons, that would have been his dream job because he would have let a couple fall off the back of the cart. You know what I mean? That's very. Very true, yes. And since Pierpoint was getting paid for every trip to Germany to execute eight here, 13 there, he made enough money to buy the lease on a pub in Manchester called Help the Poor Struggler. Oh, I want to get... Is this thing still open? No, it closed in 1990. That was a pretty good run, though. It's a really good run, yeah. From about... I think he opened it in like 48, 49, and lasted until 1990. Really good run. Oh, I would love to go. That would have been awesome. But even though he was running this bar, he still performed executions. And well, you, in, can, you can do both. Yeah. And it, but in 1950, the pub and executioner sides of his life came crashing together when one of his regulars, a man named James Henry Corbett, murdered his own mistress. That's got to be such a bummer. Yeah. Because can you imagine... Because, you know, like, Norm comes in bitching about his wife all the time, <laughs> and then just eventually you find out... Norm killed his wife. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, cheers. I could see Cliff Clavin being a killer. Yeah. I could yeah. see it. Yeah. And then imagine if Woody had to kill him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Such a nice bartender, young and yeah. handsome. And Albert and James, like, these guys were actually friends. They'd get drunk and they'd perform songs for the bar patrons together. They even had a couple's nickname. People called them Tish and Tosh. Oh, <laughs> my. Well, you got to kill Tish, Tosh. <laughs> yeah, man, Tish but- gets mad sometimes. You just can't. Once Tish is over the edge it's really really (laughs) difficult to pull him back but when it was time albert pierpoint still pulled the lever on james corbett but all you can hope is that maybe he just like poured poured a beer into his mouth and he's been like one less go around me friend you got it tish you got a tosh yeah and then they fucking mouth kiss each other for 20 (laughs) seconds there is and then he drops him through there is something a little romantic you know because he used to pull another level lever the beer draft and he gave it to him there and then he pulled one final lever that's a good side wipe cut yeah, in yeah. the movie, exactly. Yes, it really is, yeah. yeah. There, well, there was a movie uh, made about this guy's life in 2005, I think. It's just called Pierpoint. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's any good or not, but it exists. All right. Oh. Well, Pierpoint retired four years after the execution of his friend, following 24 years of service, having executed about 450 people. I guarantee you no one misbehaved in his bar, though. No. I'm sure no oh. bouncer needed there. When the executioner owns the damn place? Yeah, well, at the at this time, the executioner had become a little bit more of a, uh, a public figure and somebody that people wanted to hang out with. Because uh, what's his name? One of the bootmakers. <laughs> hey, hang out with him. Accidental pun there. Little accidental pun. Little accidental pun. But uh, Barry, people used to go to his bootmaking shop because they wanted to buy boots from the hangman. Cool. And no, people, it's cool shit. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, it's yeah, super it's Super metal. Yeah. That's super metal. Yeah, and people would go to help the poor struggler to go drink with Albert Pierpoint. I love the name of that bar. It's a statement. Yeah. Rarely are they statements. Mm-hmm. And Pierpoint died 26 years after retiring in a nursing home 
at the age of 87. Wow. If I ever start a bar, it's definitely going to be called eating a hamburger nude. You just hang up, that's all it is. <laughs> and as an ending to this episode, we're going to provide you with some bonus Greek and Roman executions. Bonus executions. <laughs> well, the Greek dramatist Aristophanes recorded a rare execution in the 4th century BC called the Siphon. In this execution, a man would be strapped into a pillory and covered in milk and honey to attract insects. Okay. And he'd be left there for 20 days, and if he survived, they'd take him out, put him in a dress, and throw him off a cliff. (laughs) (laughs) It's the final- Now you're a dead girl. How does that feel? Straight out of, like, the naked gun or something, or Princess Bride. It is so stupid. All right. Equally as stupid is in 256 BC when the Carthaginians affixed a bunch of nails and spikes to the inside of a barrel, put a guy named Marcus Regulus inside, and just rolled it down a hill. All right. What'll happen? (laughs) Then there's the time that Pompey the Great decreed that a prisoner should be tied up in a gigantic leather sack with a dog, a chicken, a viper, and an ape. And he threw him in the river. I feel bad for the the yeah. chicken and the ape. Those are the two yeah, people who didn't deserve know. that. I think the viper can probably survive. Yeah, the viper know. might survive. The dog didn't deserve it. No, the ape no. definitely uh, deserve it. Not the chicken, not the viper. But really yeah. makes no sense yeah. at all. Yeah, and no, it's like a turducken of an execution. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we'll end this episode on executions. All right. We're saving our favorite method for an episode all its own. So stay tuned for the electric chair, a.k.a. The Yellow Mama, coming in March. Oh, yeah, right. dude. We're going to keep coming back to executions. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's really well, fun. We we get get, it's an endless array of uh, beautiful beaumonts. Oh, it's crazy. And, and disgusting details. We had a chance when we were in Naples uh, to go to the uh, to the torture museum, and mm-hmm. we saw a lot of these devices. Not pleasant. The, mm-hmm. the horse, where you just kind of sit on that triangle. It's a Spanish donkey. Yeah, Spanish donkey. Yeah, we've talked about that oh, in the past. We've yeah, talked we've about got... the brazen bull in the past. Oh, like, my there's, God. Yeah, there's brutal stuff. Oh yeah, all the, the special cage. Yeah, especially there's the Spanish w- Inquisition stuff. That torture stuff is pretty awful. There's one where they, it didn't kill you, but if you were too drunk all the time, they just put a beer barrel on your body. You need to walk around like a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just kind of like, but you had to do it like, for a long time. Like, like you wouldn't adapt to that. <laughs> I like, mean, honestly. <laughs> I could. I'm big. I'm strong. Yeah. But my goodness. All right. Executions. Well, uh, thank you all so much for listening. Happy Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. Yeah. Um, Good work getting all of it in there. Yeah, I'm sure there's always somebody celebrating something. I don't know. Whatever you're celebrating this holiday season, hope you had a wonderful time and we'll have a wonderful time. We will. Next week, we're taking uh, uh, the week off. Because we're giving our employees the time off, which is nice. We're different than Scrooge, which we watched last night, The Muppet Christmas Carol. We're going to give them the week off. So we'll be back for the new year with side stories. And I'm really excited about the energy of 2019. Absolutely. We already have, we have about the next six months of episodes planned. But and as, I'm very fucking excited for them. As Michael Jackson said, you are not alone. We will be with you. Uh, we have a special yeah. that you can purchase for $6.66. And you can uh, and you can buy this throughout the whole year of 2019 and forever, I guess. Yeah. Um, but if you want to watch us, that was live in Chicago. It's really awesome. It's super fun. And you can get our special on lastpodcastlive.com. That's lastpodcastlive.com. So uh, we can't wait to uh, for you all to see it. Oh, yeah. I do want to put one 
I want to I put a little message there, and I had a message sent to me, and it's true because in side stories I said a thing about how you got to look out, women got to look out for men that are pretending to be single by taking off their ring at the bar, and but you could still see the dent. And then I had a listener who sent me a message that said, that said, unfortunately, the same is true for the recently divorced man. It is very difficult for me to find dates because I got the ring dent, and I want to say you're correct. <laughs> And I'm gonna, and I'm sorry about even saying this because that's a brutal blow. It's got to be very difficult. Right. But I think then for women out there, if you want to just make sure that you know for a fact that the man is divorced, is that I think you just look into the the dead center of his eyes. Yeah. Well, because I think that if we're, there's a six month period where you could see into the flames of their soul if you look sure. directly into their people. And if you're a guy or a gal out there recently divorced, bring the divorce papers. <laughs> Why bring not show, show the documents? Show some documentation. <laughs> Let's see it. Also, McKen- uh, Mackenzie and Ethan, congratulations on being married. And I'm sorry I couldn't be there in Phoenix, but I love Mackenzie and Ethan. They're two good friends of mine. So. Yes, congratulations. Hopefully they never have to take off the rings and uh, and get that and have to show anyone their papers. It is going to be a wonderful new year. Yes. And I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Big tit energy this year, man. Big, Big tit, tit energy. energy. I certainly got it. And uh, 2019, it's going to be an exciting time for politics, too. we got to campaigns are beginning. Yeah. So you can listen to Abe Lincoln's Top Hat for all that stuff. Very fun. And uh, this has been a great year with all of you. So thank you all so much. Thanks for everyone who came out to one of our live shows. Mm-hmm. It's always incredible meeting you. Next year, we're going to be going all over the globe. Yeah. Um, and, of course, right here in America as well. Um, so we can't wait to see you all in the new year. It's going to be fantastic. It absolutely will be. And, of course, that book will be finished at some point, too. It's going to be finished next year, and then that'll be out in uh, 2020. Yep, absolutely. So It is got to be done. It has to Soon. be done. It, please. <laughs> contractually. Please. Contractually, just please let it be done. Please take it from us. <laughs> please please take, just someone please take, take this book from us. Uh, you could also give to the Patreon if you want. Yeah, That's if you, nice. If you, if you want you do. to. Six Flags is still on us for six bucks, six, fifteen thousand a month for sixty-six point six months. Mm-hmm. It's to be it. paid in one lump sum. Just piss off your billionaire dad, you know. Feel free. Um, all right, everyone, have a wonderful new year. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. May he return. Elgin. Magustalations. Hail me. One last time before I go. Have a great new year. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.